0: If you cannot stomach any risk, low or high, business is not the place for you. My doctor at that point said, Carrie, the average adult can deal with one core stressor at a time. Maybe two if they're pretty resilient. You take on three or four at a time on purpose. He said, you've gotta stop. Faith is one way that I tackle obstacles. Faith is kind of an anchor that brings us back. Is it an airy-fairy? I make wishes and things happen. No, I work hard.
1: Hello and welcome to Unstoppable. I'm your host, Kerwin Ray. And today on the show, we talk to Carrie Wilkerson, Carrie's story is incredible. For those of you who are considering making the transition from a job into the business world or into the entrepreneurial world, but from a home-based perspective, this is incredible. Carrie was actually a high school teacher who was six figures in debt, overweight, overwhelmed, and she had just adopted two kids, one of them which was special needs, and she decided to start a business. Now, you can't think of putting any further pressure on someone than this, and if you wanna work out how to survive and thrive, this is gonna be inspiring. So if you've ever had excuses as to why you can't start, then this one's gonna blow all excuses out of the water. Check it out, Carrie Wilkerson. This episode is brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for businesses. If you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now, if you need to make more revenue, if you need more leads, if you need more clients, if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals, if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom, then this program is for you. Imagine three days immersed with me where we cover all aspects of business, but we do it from an immersive, but also an execution standpoint. We execute every step of the way. And we're looking at five key areas. We're looking at your psychology. We're looking at your marketing, your sales, your leadership, and we're looking at your planning and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly. So if you'd like to find out more information, KerwinRay.com. But ladies and gentlemen, it is my absolute pleasure, fresh off the boat from Texas, Carrie Wilkerson, thank you so much for coming down.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: It's a real honor. It
0: down, It's over. It's, I have even no
1: idea. Like I'm geographic I'm dyslexic within my geography. There you go. Yeah. As long
0: as we know how to get yeah. on the plane, we're
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming in here. Yeah. I know you had an, an early start today. But for those people who perhaps don't know uh, who Carrie Wilkerson is, what you do, give us a nutshell. What do you do? Who are who is Carrie?
0: Who is Carrie? You know, I am just a, an average everyday girl who um, likes to help people see my mess and know that there's hope for them too. <laughs> I love to to help people see that there is just a little bit extra between ordinary and extraordinary. Yeah, right. And so living our best life and whatever that means for us, I think is possible for everyone.
1: And you read a book. Yeah, a couple. A couple books. Yeah, Barefoot Executive was my my first one. Yeah,
0: that's a a bestseller. Uh, The Barefoot Executive is about creating an income at home, an executive income at home on your terms with your dress code, my dress code, um, you know, and keeping your priorities intact. So that's for the home-based business owner. Okay. Uh, Yeah, and then the next one's coming out. Very, very Ooh. soon. Yeah, very exciting. Have a prelude here? Yeah, it's called Move the Needle. Okay. we have been working on it a few years. I love years. that name. Move the Needle, how the tiny transformations that add up to totally and radically change your body, your business, and your bank account.
1: Mm, I like it. Now, you were mentioning before when we came in here, you've been in this industry for a long time.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of a grandma <laughs> in, the, in the online world or yeah. even the work at home space. I yeah. had a virtual team before that was a thing, when we had dial-up internet.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> if you guys can... You had
1: a VA. That. I didn't even know VA was invented. Was I had in a VA dial-up stage.
0: company. Wow. Um, and this was 15 plus years ago. Wow. Dial-up internet. Yeah, we were dragging stuff to servers before there were all the wizards and and all women doing all this technical stuff. But yeah. we were a virtual services company before it had a name. So that was my first industry online.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, Carrie, you're a very successful um, online executive, I guess you could say, mum of four. But I'm going to assume that you you just didn't pop out with all of this success and fame around what you do. Where did it all start? How did we get here?
0: Desperation. Where were you born? I was born in Hollywood, Florida. So opposite from where we are. Okay. And now Hollywood, Florida, my dad was a Coast Guard military officer. So I'm a proud daughter of a first responder and military man, 27 years in the military. Very strict, (laughs) um, very Southern family. So very patriarchal. Uh, The only girl of four kids. So lots of brothers, lots of testosterone in my house probably explains a lot about my comfort with risk and also my volume. Um, (laughs) But I uh, was born there when I was... uh, just out of NICU because I was um, the only survivor of eight pregnancies that my mom had. Wow. Yes, so just out of NICU, my three brothers are all adoption stories. So um,
1: you came out as a fighter.
0: It came out as a fighter. My dad said, "That's our girl. She's going to make it, and she's going to be anything she wants to be." True story. Wow. Um, we moved to Alaska right after Florida. So I. How had old it, were you then? Uh, Twelve days.
1: Twelve days old. Preview, wow.
0: month early. Yeah. Uh, so started in Alaska, and uh, then we were all over after that. what we retired when my dad retired and went to college with teenagers. Wow! He, uh, we settled in Florida because I mean in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, because that's where my mom's people were from and where his people had settled. So, yeah, right. so we're landlocked in Texas after being on the water, you know, for my whole life. But that's where we are now. Okay. I married a Texas boy. We've been married for. Um, I'd say how many years, but it would give up my true age, which you know, is not necessarily uh, necessary for kids, ranging in age from junior high to working adults and out-of-college adults. Yeah, wow. Uh, yes. You don't so, look old enough. Thank you. Yeah. That's the appropriate answer.
1: So, <laughs> yes.
0: so the reason I started a business and the reason I got to where I am now.
1: When did you start a business? Did, yeah. did you start in the workforce, though? It was
0: 20. You know, I never thought I was entrepreneurial. If yeah. you look back, you can see some clues, but... 21 years ago, we adopted siblings from the foster care system, foster to adopt. Wow. Little brother and sister, toddlers, and I became a mama overnight. And I was a high school teacher teaching older kids, loved it, was great at it. Inner city school, loved it, instant mama. And uh, Not just
1: a one, to two. Two,
0: and one has very special needs. So oh, wow. it was a full-time job. And I remember the night before our teacher contracts were due, we had agreed I was going back to work. We had agreed we were going to figure it out. The night before I had to sign the contract, the deadline night. I sat up in bed and I said, I can't I can't leave them. I can't leave them. They don't know the word mom. They don't know where they belong or who they belong to and I How
1: old were they we when you adopted them? We chose
0: you? them, so I have to be here. Um So my daughter Emily was eight months when she moved in and Mark was two years and three months. Wow! And they are now, Emily graduated college and she's in the full-time workforce. She's 22 and uh, doing actually very, very well in the workforce. And then my son Mark is 23 and a half. As a matter of fact, six foot two, towers over his mama and they're doing great. He still has some intellectual disabilities. He will never be 100% independent. And so the reason I started a business was to be home with him. The reason I grew it to the proportions that I grew it was because he's going to need me the whole rest of his life.
1: Mm.
0: And when people say, what motivates you?
1: Well, actually, that was going to be my very next question. Like, (laughs) it's clear the life situation motivated you to change from being a high school teacher Um, to working for yourself. Uh But that in itself is a massive leap. Like, you know, you're a high school teacher. Where do you go from here? You've now got two kids and you want to start a business (laughs) to be able to have more time. (laughs) time.
0: (laughs) Well, so the beauty of that is, of course, I made the decision over the summer right before contracts were due. So I still had about six weeks of paycheck left.
1: Okay. Um,
0: When I look back now at what we were making combined, I, I don't know what he was thinking. What he said to me was, we'll figure it out. You've always figured it out. Um, I know you will create this out of something. We'll eat rice and beans. We'll do whatever it takes. You know, we've got six weeks till the paycheck (laughs) runs out.
1: You got six weeks. Don't fuck it up. Yeah, (laughs) six weeks. There we go.
0: So I actually went to a library, if you remember those institutions, checked out books. I said, I'm a college educated. I'm a smart girl. There's this new technology called the internet that I think you know, is going to stay. My husband's very much like, oh, that's a trend. Don't start email, you know? and (laughs) So uh, I really was born out of desperation. But what I want people to hear and want people to know is that the reason why you started your business doesn't have to be always the reason why you keep going in your business. I hear some people say, when it gets tough, remember why you started. Maybe, but my why has changed a lot over 21 years. I have two more kids now. I have four kids now. Mm. My life looks radically different. And the reason I keep going is different than the reason I started. Because they don't need me at home anymore. They need the money. I love the choices that they have. But now I have older parents. Yeah. So And then I have a a mother-in-law with Alzheimer's. So my why and my reasons... Change, and that's okay if your why changes it doesn't mean you have to get out of business. it just means you have to keep finding what
1: drives you fundamentally though family' is one of the biggest things that drives you there Wh-
0: yeah. whatever your core values
1: are whatever mine, yours are yours
0: i love being a family. mom yeah. I've known since I was a little kid that I wanted mm. to be a mom i'm not a that doesn't necessarily define me, but I think it has refined me and um, Great phrase. raising for Humans with integrity and character that are giving back to the overall good Mm. of uh, creation to me is very important. That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. I wanted to be home for that. They travel with me some. I'm not gone as much as some people might think. They're very integral to the decisions that I make. So you're still
1: very home-based now as a a business owner? And and
0: I'm kind of a one-woman show. I have a part-time VA. I don't have a a big nanny staff. And that's no criticism to anybody that does. I'm not hating on help. Oh no. You do you, boo. You do you. And if help works for you, that's fine. Um,
1: So I want to go back to that six-week period because that sounds to me (laughs) like…
0: Like a deadline?
1: No, that sounds like the genesis (laughs) in your Bible. Like it's like, okay, this is where creation began like yes. what happened in that six Nothing. you're like it
0: happens without a deadline right
1: exactly but I guess what I'm gonna uh, kind of uh, prime the question with is you know you're, you're you're fresh out of school you've gone to the library how do you how do you decide what you want to do because everyone says do what you love
0: oh I think that's bull. Cool. really uh, uh, wow. I think I think sometimes you do what pays the bills
1: You have a
0: responsibility to pay the bills. Sometimes you have to. And so I think until you get past that point of desperation, we don't necessarily have the luxury, and I'm a little sick of the entitlement, quite frankly. That probably tells my generation right there, right? Um, I can't always do what I love, or I'd be... Chip and Joanna Gaines, like decorating a house. And I could probably do that, you know, truthfully. My brothers are contractors. We could rock that out, Um, you know, or I'm passionate about adoption. My three brothers are adopted. Two of my kids are adopted. 90% of my family would not exist without adoption. I'm passionate Mm. about it, but can I monetize that? Would, Would that make sense for me? Could I make as big of an impact with that? Or could I make an impact by using skills that I'm good at, public speaking, writing, coaching, motivating, and then funding adoptions or contributing $100,000 to orphans or whatever I can do using the skill set I do have. So Mm. I don't know that we have to love what we do. I think we have to love who we do it for and why we do it. The reason
1: we're doing it. Yeah.
0: My first business uh, when I was doing virtual services and a publishing company for uh, direct sales business owners, I did not love desktop publishing. I did. I wanted to throw the computer in the trash. I was so over it, but I loved my clients that I served, and I loved getting out of debt. We paid off six figures of debt in a very short period of time. I loved freeing my husband from a job hostage situation that he was in at the time.
1: I love that. The
0: the, um, you know there's a ransom for that, and to Mm. earn that money, I couldn't do what I loved. I had to do uh, what What I could. For the people that
1: i loved so, so what was your first bit, like what was the you, you you're out you're in you've come home you've got all your books okay, in the so library the,
0: yeah so i actually started multiple things <laughs> the build-up
1: is intense right stacks, now everyone's on the air i had <laughs> stacks
0: and stacks of books uh-huh. everywhere this is also in my book the barefoot executive i said i wrote the book i wish i'd had mm. because at the library i did not find a lot of good answers and there was no searching on the internet at that point um i eventually settled on two different things because I wasn't totally convinced they were the right thing and I was right. Um, One was direct sales. So I jumped into a party plan company because this was 1998 and work at home opportunities, it it just wasn't common like it is now, people working at home. So I jumped into um, a party plan company where I represented a company with a turnkey marketing plan and I did home parties and sold things, right? That was my first business opportunity. At the same time, I couldn't leave the internet alone. I had a laptop that I had gotten as part of payment for consulting with a school district that I was working with. See, even there I was hustling. And I said, let me do some of what I was doing for your marketing and your outreach on campus. Let me do that at home with the computer. I'll send you the results at the end of every day and you can pay me, you know, on a set basis. So I was doing virtual services even at that point in 1998, which is a little unheard of. Called Mm. an attorney that I used to work for. I said, I have this laptop. I have this cord. I have an internet. And I think I could call all your payables. I know you're busy in the office and I know this is not getting done. Why don't you let me call your payables, follow up with emails, do a marketing campaign. So I was hedging both of those bets. I don't recommend that. Mm -hmm. I really think it's better to focus on one thing at a time, but I also know me and I I had to figure which one worked. I did very well in the direct sales company, earned free cars, trips, jewelry, you know, the whole nine yards, did great, burned out within three years, but then married that business with my Mm. services business, created a service for that type of business owner. For that industry. And made multiple millions of dollars doing templated desktop publishing newsletters. Think Dan Kennedy, Mm -hmm. but for pink Cadillac drivers. And that's what I did. Sold that business in 11, I think, because that's when um, right after my...
1: Did you build that up to a team? Online? Oh, yeah. 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 Some of them
0: I still have never met. Then
1: How many was, was on working. the team when you built it? Uh,
0: I think our maximum team was 14. Okay. We were serving 1,700 clients a month with recurring billing. We were wow. also at the forefront of recurring billing, yeah. right? Um, Stu McLaren would be so proud. We, <laughs> um, we had a membership service based business and we first took checks. That lasted one month. And I said, We're growing so fast, there's no way we can scale that. We went to QuickBooks, and at the time, there was nothing online that would recurring bill. So QuickBooks, every month, my husband would sit there and process those charges one at a time as they grew and grew and grew. Finally, we were able to switch to, I think it was probably, you know, the grandfather of one shopping cart, yeah. uh, Tom Antion, the whole night, wow. of, I mean, we've been uh, I, been I been told you, to, I, yeah. I was the grandma yeah. in this industry. Um, and so we used all of that online, what people would call internet marketing technology. I brought it to this service business. As a result, I said, I think there's something else we can do. And closing in 2007, 2008, I was thinking, I think we're about to have an economic incident. I feel like there's a recession coming up. Mm. I feel like something's going to shift and I don't want this to be our only income. Now, we were killing it. We were crushing It, it was so great. Great salaries for the people working with us. We were really helping a lot of people. I had retired my husband, paid off all the debt, had four kids by this point. The youngest was 10 weeks old and um, joined uh, Yannick Silver's Mastermind because I wanted to start an online component of a business. At that point, my nickname was the Barefoot Executive because I came down the stairs one day, super fat and happy and pregnant. And my husband said, you are living your dream. You're at home with your kids. You're about to give birth. You are, two of them were being homeschooled at the time. And um, I was creating an executive income and empowering 10, 15 other women to do the same. People were asking me to come speak. Like I never intended to be a speaker. Yeah. Uh, come tell us what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, come talk to us. So, I, And I never wear shoes when I'm home. So he said, You're, you're a barefoot executive. That's, you need to write a book. You need to write a book called that. And so instead, I started a website. Tim Kerber, Ryan Lee, I went through a program they had for membership sites, wow, yeah. launched the Barefoot Executive August 27th, 2007 with a 10-week-old in my arms, <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. It took off like crazy, and um, I started to see where I was getting asked to speak for companies that were competing with the services company, meaning... I only served one direct sales company at that point. Right. I had other companies calling me to speak. So my personal integrity, I felt like that was a conflict of interest. So I sold the services business, right. sold it, and uh, put all my energy into the Barefoot Executive. Another deadline. I, I think if you were to look at maybe a secret to some of my success, it would be hard and fast deadlines and holding true to those.
1: Why, why are the hard and fast deadlines so important to you? And what does that mean, a hard and fast deadline?
0: Well, so when I, when I decided to start my website, my business was, um, I think people are very comfortable being a little uncomfortable. They're pretty comfortable being in debt. They're pretty comfortable mixing their money and embezzling from themselves. And that's why they don't know how much their business is not making, yeah. right? Um, they don't want to be accountable for it. We were really crushing it in this business, but I wanted to start a website, The Barefoot Executive, so I said to my family, meeting of six, baby, four-year-old, the family. Mom's going to start a new business, and um, this
1: was business number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it was pretty much business number three because oh. of the direct sales business, but oh, profitable. Okay, yes. bi- we'll yep. say wildly profitable business. Yep. you know that I owned, owned. Mom's going to start a new business, and I know I'm already busy, and I know that. Um, you love it when I chill with you and I know things were just kind of easing up with the other business, but um, and this was in August, I said, I just booked us a vacation to the Turks and Caicos for spring break to go to the Sesame Street Resort, you know, where Elma lives and Zoe lives. And <laughs> I said, if you'll give me six months to really focus on this business, to be on my phone when you're doing stuff, to sit by the pool, but not be in the pool with you. If you'll give me six months and not complain about me working and let me really focus, it'll never be that way again. And at the Turks and Caicos, I won't take my phone. I won't take any business books. It'll be all you the whole time we're there. And I'm going to pay hundred percent of it out of the proceeds of the new business. And I made that promise to my kids not to take any money out of the budget or the other business. I made that promise to my husband because remember we had been in extreme debt before, and that was that was my fault. That was me juggling things, not him. He's a financial planner. Me. <laughs> That's another fun conversation. Telling your husband how much debt you're in when he doesn't know. Um, so that was a hard and fast deadline. Six months to get the Barefoot Executive up and running and profitable. And, um, sure enough, they said, okay, we put up posters. We played the video of Zoe coming out to the van and greeting them. And we paid the deposit. That was a $12,000 vacation at that point. Now, again, that's 12 years, 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so from startup to then we created that. And then some, I think when we left for vacation on the Turks and Caicos, I hired my assistant who's still with me my virtual assistant to take over what was going on at that time. So I could go be on the beach with my kids. We had already created, I want to say uh, $65,000 in less than six months in 2007, um, with no name, no reputation, no celebrity status, no social media, no social <laughs> media, no paid advertising, None of that. And we had an email list of 22,000 when I left for the beach. Went (laughs) to the beach and kept my word to the kids and made the decision we needed to sell the other company when we came back and devote all of our efforts to that.
1: And And it was a beautiful little pivot.
0: It was a little pivot.
1: So going back to the first company, uh, how long were you in that one before you sold it?
0: The services business, I launched it my birthday of 2002. I was... Yeah, I was just about to say my age there. <laughs>
1: oh, my.
0: Yeah, it was a, well, I tend to do things at landmark times. And yep. so it was my birthday, 2002. And then um, I turned the keys completely over, uh, I think, in 10, okay. 9 or 10. They were under a couple of year, like payout plan yep. or something. But I want to say 10 okay. was when I was totally done. With that one, we created multiple millions of dollars in that, and serviced on average seventeen hundred Spanish and English customers. That's
1: amazing. So I'm going to assume that six week period where you started that business that was that was pivotal, uh, the genesis. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we look at now chapter one, I'm going to assume it wasn't all sunshine and roses to grow (laughs) that business for eight years and make multiples of millions of dollars, and you know, for English and Spanish uh, businesses. What were what was probably some of the biggest I was going to say what was the first biggest challenge that you came up against, but I'm going to just open it and say what were some of the biggest challenges that you came up with early in the piece that you were just like, whoa, shit, I didn't know that was – I didn't didn't know I needed to know that.
0: Right. Well, I didn't – I wasn't surrounded by people that got me. They didn't understand me.
1: Did you feel like that most of your life though?
0: Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, um, but I always at least, you know – had my family that pretended to try. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but have you always felt different? I guess is a question. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I read an essay the other day by I think it was Erin Weatherly, and she said I've always been too much. I've always been told I was too much, a little loud, a little this, to talk a little too much. And I thought, ah, oh, I feel that. I, I get that. Mm. And I'm I'm unapologetic about it now. But I also see that there's a time and a place. There's a time and a season. But yeah, I totally get that. Um, but I was in in a community where. People didn't understand working for yourself necessarily, except that... Well, I'm
1: going to assume people didn't understand what a VA was.
0: Well, no, and we didn't yeah. even have that term at that point Yeah. Yet. Um, my mom, though, growing up, always was a barefoot executive, always te- teaching piano lessons. My dad was in the military, I might have mentioned. That's not a very high-paying career. Um, she taught piano lessons. She sewed our choir dresses She altered band uniforms. We did craft shows. My mom could create money from her skill set or her resources Hmm. always. That's how we survived. Dad's paycheck once a month, and then mom filled in the gaps. Um, And she always had a little money squirreled away here and there. Uh, You know, you always knew that if mom if you needed something, mom had a little cash tucked in somewhere because we weren't credit card based at all mm. either. So, um, so I did watch that, but then it didn't translate digitally to me necessarily. And so the Internet was really foreign to people. We weren't texting yet still, really. And um, it, it was just different. So I felt like there were some obstacles there. I felt very alienated, very isolated. But you also have to remember I was a, kind of a new mom. At the same time, even in those first few years With later. With two kids,
1: one of them being special needs, And then,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, it had gotten to the point that every day when I picked him up from school, the teacher marched him out to the car, and I'm like, what is happening? I don't understand. It turned out to be part of his intellectual disability, but at the right. time we thought it was just behavior. To stack on top of that, my husband's job, he's gone 90% of the semester. Um, most of the time, Monday through Thursday, Weekdays, yeah, right. Except summers and holidays, uh, because of the where, where his accounts are. So I was a single mom, a special needs kid, preschoolers. Every mom listening is like, oh, what, "What? are you doing?" And I weighed two hundred and sixty six pounds at that point. Wow. And I don't even know how to translate that to to uh, you know Australian weight. But my parents also moved from Texas to Canada right at that point when I was starting to feel like I needed them the most
1: oh wow, is
0: when they made a big life change and went to do ministry up in Canada for five years. So it was make or break, do or die. I could sit and whine about it. Uh, and I did have a very dark period of time. My family, uh, We deal with manic depression. So I had some really big highs, some low lows. Um, My own mental health tends to be triggered by situational things. So the average, my doctor at that point said, Carrie, the average adult can deal with one core stressor at a time. Job loss, divorce, illness, child, you know, whatever. Um, Maybe two if they're pretty resilient. You take on three or four at a time on purpose. Like, oh, hey, let's create a business. Oh, hey, let's adopt siblings. Oh, hey, let's, he said, you've got to stop. You're, you are adding to what is already a mental health struggle for you. So um, that all happened at the same time. And I remember right before I turned 30, uh, my journal was very dark and it was very like, how am I going to tell Eddie about all the debt that we're in? Am I even useful? We had moved geographical locations. And because my friends did not email, and it was long distance, we still had to pay per minute to talk. I was feeling very out of touch from everybody. Mm. And um, I had one of those dark, like suicidal moments. Now, would I have done that? I'm kind of a chicken. Like, I'm kind of a chicken. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to miss. I don't want to be paralyzed. The rest of my- you know what I mean? There's not a perfect Like I hadn't even gotten that far, but I was just really dark and despondent and Mm. and having a hard time pulling out of it. And, uh, And then I remembered very clearly, whether you believe in God or universe or whatever, I remember very clearly the moment that I stood before the judge with my two kids. And the judge said to us, these children are now losing a set of birth parents. I need for you to vow to me that if it's in your control, they will not lose another set of parents. Do you promise to do everything in your power to love them for as long as you all shall live and take care of them? Hmm. And I remembered that moment, and I said, I chose them. They didn't ask for me to be their mom. They didn't ask to be transplanted. What kind of a sorry character would I be if I abandoned them After what they've already been to. I promised the judge. Now, I come from a military family. I come from a ministry family. We keep our commitments. Mm. Okay, that means I'm staying. That means one day at a time, I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. And that day, right before I turned 30 years old, was when I made a decision. Start eating a little healthier every Mm. day. Start being a little more engaged and present. Start looking for happier things. Start a business. Within two weeks, I... Standing in the kitchen, sobbing about applying for jobs that I was very qualified for. Like they read like my resume. I was so qualified. I couldn't get an interview. Probably applied for a hundred jobs. Couldn't get an interview. My husband said, I think that's because you're not supposed to be out of the house. I think in this season, you can be working here and creating here. And he said, what about that woman that did those newsletters for you? You could do that. You have a degree in journalism. You have desktop publishing. You were in that company. I said, yeah, but she, what did we say? Yeah, but she's already doing that. He said, listen, I want you to just promise me you're going to give it two to three weeks of a carry try. You're just going to get in there and carry it for two to three weeks.
1: Carry, carry it. I like that.
0: <laughs> two to three weeks to just do what you do, to be obsessed with it, to be focused on it, And if after two to three weeks, you can't make it work and you want to give up, we'll look at some other options. Now, I don't know what that meant. And I never called his bluff on it because after three weeks, I already had 100 clients. Mm. Recurring billing, 100 clients. Dial up internet on a computer I already had. (laughs) It was insane. I called the woman who had that other company and said, I'm thinking about starting this, but I know you already have this. She said, Carrie... I work with 100 people out of 17, uh, 100 people out of 11,000 potential clients. I think there's room for you. She said, but I so respect you for asking, can I mentor you? Oh, wow. So she walked me through software. She walked me through some do's and don'ts. And we then turned her idea and what she had done for 100 We made it scalable and replicable and duplicatable with software and systems and what we knew, and we worked with 1,700 in the same way she worked with 100. So we really grew and stretched it with her permission. She was always so proud. If she had a client that wasn't a good fit, she'd send them to me and vice versa. That's just beautiful. So we did the right thing. We always tried. To do the right thing, and then and so that's where it started, wow, and that was okay. the dark spot. So that was just one of the many, many hard things. Um,
1: do you are you still someone who likes to bite off more than you can chew? I <laughs>
0: have a I have major <laughs> renovations going on at my house right now. So many texts on my way here about this permit and that permit. Yeah, I feel like one of my drivers um, is probably back against the wall. Yeah, uh, kind are of driver. Where I do my best. You have of- to do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was a journalism for my undergrad, so I functioned on deadline quite a lot. I functioned really well on stage and on the fly and in an interview setting. Um, I'm, I would probably be really good at, um, what do they call the uh, the comedy where you... Um, improv. Improv, yeah. yeah. So imp- a lot of my speaking is improv. Probably the first 20 minutes of every keynote I do is a lot of improv. Uh, based on where I am and who's there, and the feel I get from the room. So, uh, yeah, I I create projects and deadlines. Well, to I, I see that
1: myself. as a very common trait with people who are overachievers at the highest levels. They they like to be busy. They like to be doing lots of things. But one of the things that I've seen is a key thing that distinguishes you know good from you know absolute greatness. It's not the absence of mental health issues. It's not the absence of stress. If anything, I'm seeing a lot more stress you know, oh. across the board. I'm seeing yeah. mental health issues being exacerbated at a whole other yeah. level now with the level of transparency that the internet gives us, you know, and also by the fact that business has been put on this pedestal to be quite celebrity, and so a lot more yeah. people now who are doing it that wouldn't have perhaps done it before. Mm-hmm. And so mental health issues, suicide, like all these stress, all at all-time highs. But what I've noticed with some of the elite performers is they have their rituals, and their rituals are okay, if I've got a mental health, if 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 I'm experiencing, okay, I can feel a bit of the dark creep coming in, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay, this is what I do. I'm feeling a little bit stressed. This is my process. Uh Have you developed some processes that you can walk us through that would be good for, because I have no doubt there's probably at least, you know, 100 100, or (laughs) 5,000 women or 50 million women out there listening going, oh my God, she sounds like me. Or men, or men even. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Um, so we don't have to be embarrassed about mental health, uh, mental health, but we also don't have to use it as a crutch either. Mm. Just like uh, diabetes or heart health or other things, there are treatments, there are experts, there are warning signs, and we, we have to see people about it. So don't use it as a crutch or a reason why you're not doing something. One of the things I love to say and work with my clients on is we have to turn our excuses of why we're not doing things. For instance, son with special needs, husband that travels all the time, aging parents, obesity, uh, social anxiety. I could have turned all of those into reasons why I could not have a business or be on stage or be any kind of, you know, um, presence. Instead, I flip it and I turn those things into reasons why I must do those things. My son has a disability, so I must fund his choices and his life.
1: Is this a conscious process where you look yes. at something and you? Yes, like, oh, I write him oh, down. I
0: write right. him down and I flip it. If I find okay. myself uh, excusing myself, yep, I flip it. That's the reason why I have to do that. I have a husband that travels, therefore I need to be even more present for my kids. Mm. I need to be even more engaged with what he knows about them or how intentional we're parenting, um, because I we have aging parents and he's an only. And I'm the only girl, you know, the nurturer. Uh, We have funded long-term care insurance for our parents for over 10 years. And so that they would have choices when they were older. We spend probably a mortgage on that Mm. um, monthly to fund that insurance for them. So they will have some dignified choices when the time comes. And um, I could say... Oh, my parents are aging, so I can't work my business. But instead, oh, our parents are aging, and one has Alzheimer's, and so that's why we must hustle. That's why we must make wise choices with our money, so that they'll have choices when it gets when they get older. So that our kids will see what it is to be responsible adult mm. children, and you know those kind of things. So it's a very conscious process with us. We're you've very
1: you've inspired a lot of people to to follow your footsteps and to get into business yourself. But in terms of the warnings that you give people not to do it, um, are there any, like, I'm because I'm curious, because I say this all the time, you know. The I, scroll that yeah.
0: drops. People that should not be in business.
1: But, but again, I also want to touch on the fact that we don't. We want to make sure we're not using any excuse as a reason to stay out. No,
0: no, no, no. Because
1: most people say, well, I've got manic depression, or I've no. got depression. I can't possibly risk going to well, business. Well, some of
0: the best business owners we know are a hot mess mentally, yeah. right, or physically. Um, Sean Stevenson that we just lost, Uh you know, was in a wheelchair and was a little man and had so many physical ailments and it drove him to be better and better and better. So, so we've got nothing. Um,
1: When do you tell someone, okay, it's not a good idea for you to get into business?
0: So um, in my own family of um, my husband and I and our four kids, we're about evenly split. We're half entrepreneurial and half not. And the ones that are not, they like the idea of it, but they're not wired for it. They don't like risk. If you cannot stomach any risk, low or high, business is not the place for you. It's really not because you may have an amazing month and then you may have not an amazing month. The recession may hit somebody, your algorithms may be off. And I saw a sale on my way here on Instagram and they were freaking out because somehow Instagram had, shadowed them or whatever they call it. Shadow banned. Shadow banned them. Mm -hmm. And so nobody was seeing all their promotions and things and their cart sales were down 75% on the day of their launch. Uh, They have no control over that. It doesn't mean they did anything wrong. It's just some of those things are out of our control. So if risk is something you cannot stomach, you probably should not be in business. Um, If you, um, I'm an empath, so I feel things very deeply and easily and intuitively Uh, That can crash some people if you can't manage it. If you take everything too personally, if you're too much of a people pleaser, if, if you are wounded or despondent, if somebody doesn't like you or criticizes you or judges you, business may not be the place for you. Or you need to choose your model very carefully. You need to create a product, not intellectual property. You cannot be your brand if you are too sensitive to criticism if you can't cope, if you can't work with it, because you know that you could just be doing your thing and somebody's still going to hate somebody's still going to, you know, there's still going to be somebody watching this that has something to say about my outfit or my hair or my lipstick or my weight or my whatever, you know, hashtag still fat, you know, whatever Mm. they do. And I'm tougher now. Part of that's my age. We'll put a
1: link below for those people, <laughs> www.fuckoff.com.
0: <laughs> I was on a, a webcast one time and the feedback was so great. And it was so good. And I was a little heavier than I am now, but I had actually a stylist from Australia email me in America to tell me how I damaged my own credibility with the way that I dressed and my style and my hair and my, you know. This on behalf
1: of Australia, Paul. Sever-
0: <laughs> several years ago, you know, I showed it to the producer <laughs> And I showed it to my team, and I said, my mama taught me to take in the meat and spit out the bones. And what that means is you say, what if this is true? What if this could I work on? I love
1: that. I love that.
0: What if this is just that person having a rough day? Uh, You know, where does this person need some grace? Uh, Yeah, maybe that outfit. Yes, if I lost 40 pounds, it'd be better, And I did. I styled myself differently. Now, she wasn't about to get a dime of my money because of how she approached that. Yeah. Um, she could have done that differently. I did not waste my business coaching on going back and forth with her on, here's how you could have done that differently. Yep. I just, bless her heart, and deleted it. You know, that's what we say in Texas, bless her heart. Covers, <laughs> covers a range of things. But, um, you know, there. It, so if you're overly sensitive, if you can't handle right. criticism or disagreement, then do not create a personal brand or an intellectual property brand. Mm. Choose your business carefully. Um Also, if you have a partner or spouse, um, it's a team sport. They don't have to be in business with you, but they have to be on team you. And so if they're very adverse, if it's gonna split up your marriage, we've seen it happen. Um, what? It's over and yeah, over it's very common. And over again. Um, when
1: businesses go bust it takes people with them
0: or when businesses do amazing Mm,
1: this is true or when
0: you're or when your visibility skyrockets or when you're you know if you don't handle the popularity well I mean there's so many reasons Mm. but you have to be a cohesive team so I would say those are a few things I would also say don't start a business if you're necessarily on the verge of bankruptcy Um, transition out of your job have some kind of nest somewhere now That being said, we know people that have not done that. I myself had six weeks of a paycheck left. um, But I still wouldn't have said we would have been in bankruptcy if something had happened. I I still think we could have figured it out. I didn't have to make a ton right away Mm. um, in order to survive to pay my bills. But I think you have to know your mental health. You have to know your own uh, self. Self Self-awareness as an entrepreneur is your number one tool.
1: One of the biggest challenges I hear from people is managing relationships Yeah, in, in business in general, but especially in those early stages. Yeah. You kind of had an interesting scenario because um, your husband was away 90% of the time. Uh, you also were looking after two kids, one being special needs and everything else that's going on at the same time. But I'm curious to know how you manage the relationship side because it sounds like he was like, yeah, go for it. But I'm going to assume there might have been some times where he it wasn't as
0: you know he is um, 100% believes in me more than any human probably ever has. He has he has seen me um, now. My parents believe in me, and they think they think I can do anything. However, they had to overcome a few years of the patriarchy, and a few years of tradition, and a few years of. You know, that's not for us. When I would, my mom at one point said, when is enough enough? Don't grow your business too big. When is enough enough? And this was early. This was early when I was in those first few weeks getting those hundred clients so quickly. Well, Carrie, when's enough enough? You need to know when to say no because too much is greedy. Those Ooh. tapes. So now they're, they're totally full circle mm. and they see it and they get it now. But there was a time when they weren't terribly supportive because they didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And remember, they were five years away while I was building this empire, so to speak. Um, But my husband, he believes I can do anything, and he's seen me do that. I took 27 hours, college hours, my last semester, and worked full-time. I worked 84 hours a week uh, the summer after we got married so we could pay off all of our student loans in one summer Um, I worked from four to 10 in the afternoon after I taught all day four to 10 in the afternoon. So we could save up and buy a house and adopt kids. Um, he's seen it. So he, he believes in me.
1: You have a ridiculous work ethic where did that come from like i'm going to assume there's some part of your life where discipline was introduced and it just became a pathological part of your life where did that come in?
0: well my parents are workers um workers workers i think some of that is genetic i think some of it is modeled Um, but what about disciplines what
1: disciplines were you involved in as a child sports or
0: music i'm a trained musician okay yeah um my um also we were a very uh faithful church family so we were there every time the doors opened And there till everybody left, you know, that was very much a part of who we were. And also you kept your commitments. You did what you said you would do. My dad, for background, was a military officer, three little kids. We, because of lack of technology at that point, we would get orders to move somewhere. He would have to go ahead of us two or three weeks and find a house and secure the house. And then we would pack up the house and sell the house and then move to meet him and we would move into a house having never seen it. I remember when I was eight years old, maybe maybe six or seven, walking into a house in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Three kids, I was the youngest at that point. That's before the number four came along. And my mom, who was always very supportive as far as we knew, um, with the eyebrows up, you know, looking around saying, oh, I like it. But there's one bathroom And where are we going to put everybody, where's the boy's bedroom? And dad said to her, I will never forget this moment. He said to her, oh, I'm going to knock out this wall, and I'm going to put a staircase there, and I'm going to put a second story on the house. My dad, who we'd never seen to this point build anything yet, and he painted this vision of what the house was going to look like. And she's looking at him, and she said, how are you going to do that? He said, well, while I've been up here alone for three weeks, I saw this TV special for these Time Life Home Improvement books. (laughs) <laughs> and I ordered the series. There's one on plumbing. There's
1: one oh. on He
0: said, I ordered the books, babe. It's going to be okay, and you know what? It was. My dad put a second story on that house with plumbing. It wasn't all perfect. Um, he did it after work. Af- he was an officer. He After work, on weekends, we had no budget for help. He would sometimes call people from the church to come help him figure it out, and now he's 81 years old. And he still has these books. If, if your listeners go to my YouTube channel, there's a, do, a mini documentary I made for his birthday about the Time Life books. He still has them. He takes them to disaster areas and orphanages. He rebuilds with his senior citizen guy friends. Wow. And he said, you know, I'll pull out if we run up against some electrician or some plumbing or something, we can't figure out. We crack open the books and we figure it out. So I was raised by that guy, <laughs> yeah. and by a mom who worked like crazy, you know, with every skill and everything she had in her to make every dollar turn into ten, and raised us without any help, and she was far away from her family all the time because we were military. So, you know, I guess I absorbed some of that. But yeah, I I like to be busy. I like to be productive. I still like to DIY around my house. I remodel here and there. And in addition to my business, in addition to, I just got my master's degree this last year, tackled a degree at my age, same age as my dad when he got his first degree, ironically, um, because I wanted it. I don't get a raise because I work for myself. It's going to look good on a book jacket, but I wanted it. And I wanted my girls to see that the boys don't have to be more educated than the girls. Mm. And I wanted my dad. What's your master's in? uh, Leadership. Wow. Leadership and business, yeah.
1: Okay, nice.
0: Yeah, and mass communication is my undergrad.
1: Very nice. Yeah. Faith, I've heard you mention it a few times. Uh-huh. How big a role has that played in your journey?
0: Uh, it's it's huge in my journey. It's very much a part of who I am. It
1: so like It's I, part of your, your DNA.
0: It's part of my DNA. It's very much, uh, it's not a religion for me. It's a relationship for me. So okay. I do have a personal faith relationship. Um, it's not just activities at the church. It's the community of the people that are there and the way that we tackle challenges. And, um, you know, I could look at my life and say, why did God allow my son to be disabled? Well, the fact is I can look at science and know why he's disabled. He has fetal alcohol syndrome from choices that his birth mother made. God didn't do that to him. A human did that to him. And I can say, but with my faith in God, we can tackle this. And Mark is living his best life. Mark is an amazing young man. He will always be my little boy. And he's 20, almost 24 and six foot three. And he is the most joyful, thoughtful, compassionate um, hot mess that you've ever seen. (laughs) And he works a job and he loves, loves, loves his sisters. and, And faith is one way that I tackle obstacles. Faith is, you know, kind of an anchor that brings us back. Is it, is it an airy fairy? I make wishes and things happen. No, I work hard. I work hard. I feel like, um, I think I heard an old Southerner say this once, you can, you can be a farmer and pray for your crops. You can pray for rain, but you better get out there and plant something and you better hoe the weeds out of it. You know, God's not going to do that part for you. So, yeah, faith is a very integral part of my journey. You know, I can look at creation and be awed and inspired by it. I'm not crippled by it. I don't hate because of it. I, I think my reputation in the industry is such, people will tell you, Carrie loves, loves people. And I do. I love people. I remember uh, Craig Ballantyne from Early to Rise said to me one time, what is it with you, Why are your people so crazy about you? And I said, I I don't know that they're really crazy about me. I think they're crazy about the fact that they know I'm crazy about them. People want to be loved. People want to be recognized and Mm. valued. And um, so, if that's something that I feel like um, my faith has done for me, helped me feel valued and loved and appreciated, why would I not, you know, show that to other people
1: too? Yeah. So um, you then moved into the Barefoot Executive.
0: Barefoot Executive was my website. Then um, Thomas Nelson approached me on Twitter and said, would you write a book? You know, it's not supposed to happen that way. You're supposed to write proposals and write chapters. Would you write a book? We've been following your brand for two years. Would you write a book? That's when Michael Hyatt was the CEO and um, Joel Miller was his business acquisitions editor. Um, We'd like for you to write that book. And here's kind of what we wanted to be about. And I said, Okay, it was on the bucket list at some point, but I guess we'll do it now. So that published in 2011. Just sold 2,500 copies yesterday to an organization. Uh, So still nine years later, um, eight, nine years later, still selling. And um, working on the next one. We'll probably self-publish this next one. So I have more control over updates and marketing and those kind of things. Um, Also, the publishing world's come a long way in the last 10 Mm. years. So... So, yeah, I have a book, Barefoot Executive, and that was my brand for a long time, The Barefoot Executive. And um, some people still introduce me that way. And, you know, when you have a good brand, it's hard to shake it sometimes. Yeah, and
1: it's a solid brand.
0: Yeah, it's a solid brand. Um, it's been
1: pivoting to something the other. You've got the, bare, the barefoot economists. You've got the...
0: Oh, there's the barefoot authors yeah. now and the barefoot... There's And, and I get the emails chicken soup. all the time. It was, you know, we we spawned a lot of those things. And that's a lot of people will ask me if that upsets me. I'll say, you know what? Why would that upset me? That, that makes me like an influencer of influencers. I yeah. don't... Doesn't bother me in the least. Uh, I can create and innovate faster than they can imitate, right? And I don't. I don't even know who said that initially, but it's
1: such a good quote. True,
0: maybe Rich Sheffrin, maybe you know Jim Rohn. Who knows? One of the greats. But um,
1: so, what does life for the barefoot executive look like now? A day in the life.
0: Whatever I want it to. Not really. I still, <laughs> I still work really hard. Yeah. I, I still work really hard. I still have two in school. Yeah. So I still have two kids at home. And um, I tell you what, I love junior high and high school kids. I I am really close with my kids, but this is such a fun age. And I love technology with kids. Now, it's hard. I have to be really intentional with them. But one of them texted me on the plane. She and her girlfriends were in the hall, and they're like, what's your mom doing today? Oh, you know her. She's in and out of California today. She'll be here tomorrow for blah, blah, blah. And they're like, let's take her a picture and tell her we love her. So I got a picture of she and four of her. These are sophomores in high school, 15, 16 years old, wanted to send me a little picture and tell me they loved me. I mean, what?
1: <laughs> as a parent, honestly. What more? Can as a
0: parent me? and as somebody who really strives to know my kids' friends. Um, that's why we've put a pool in, that's why we're putting a volleyball court in the backyard, that's why we do those things so that Mm, the kids will come to us. Yes. So that we have the place. Such a great idea.
1: Um,
0: I don't have to wonder where everybody is, they're in my backyard and Mm. I'll happily feed you, let's pull up the food trucks, I'm cool with all that, let's have them there. A day in the life depends because um, I believe in blocking and batching and being really intentional with my time, so every day looks a little different. I tend to do people work on Tuesdays and Thursdays, interviews, client-facing work, talk to humans, be cute, that kind of work on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Why is that? Because everybody always wants to know, what's the formula? Is that the best day to do it? It's because since 1998, I have had at least one child in school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So when they were little, it was Mom's day out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And when they got a little older, it was preschool. And then, then it was everybody. And then my older, my younger two actually went to a cooperative homeschool where they only attended classes Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that's when I did my work, where mm. I had to have a quiet house or you know some kind of peace. So it just stuck, and I still do that 21 years later. Um, Wednesdays just changed. Wednesdays were more of a production day, but now it's a day where I go gather with my faith community in the mornings and we have a class. And then I'm trying to keep lunch free for like social to go do those lunches or do those coffees or do those whatever, and then come back into the office in the afternoon. So that's a little flexible right now. I'm still working on that flow. Uh, Otherwise we trap ourselves at home and we don't, Go see humans. Um, (laughs) Monday, I don't like to talk to anybody or see anybody. I only do administrative work on Monday, so I take the kids to school. You asked me earlier, and I think we never came back to it, about the routines. When I see the Mm. dark coming. Yes. Or to stave them off. And Mm. I think I I didn't want to leave anybody hanging about that because I do think self-awareness is really important. The sun here is amazing. This would be my office if this were my house. Mm. Um, You have to know what some of your triggers are. And I struggle from November to March because that's when it's a little more gray
1: right. in the weather. Okay.
0: So I, I double my vitamin D. I'm very, su- I'm very conscious about supplements. I double my D because I'm not getting any sun. I have a, a desk lamp that shines in my face. My desk faces a window. I have a ring light for video, You know, like all those YouTubers use. I use it on a daily basis just for added light. One of my core routines is to get up at the same time every single day I did not do that with my older two children. I was the mom that woke up when they woke me up. Um, I shifted. I changed the person that I was and I started getting up at the same time every day and getting dressed before anyone ever saw me. Get up, dress to work, whatever that looks like. I don't dress like this every day, but dress to work. I don't take the kids to school in pajamas. I don't hang out like that. I dress like I need to feel. Mm. If that makes sense, so. it helps me control my weight too. A lot of times we expand to fit our clothes, mm. so I started wearing. We wear I clothes weight. that
1: expand with. <laughs> right.
0: So, um, so those are some of my routines. Coffee is part of my routine. A lot of people, I tweet and and post about coffee a bit. I really only have about one cup a day. It's a good size cup, but about one cup a day. But it's not because I'm addicted to caffeine. It's because it's part of my routine, mm. and it's a routine that makes me feel very connected to my dad and my grandmother. I never Mm. remember them without coffee. And I remember being a little kid thinking, you know, waking up to that smell, Mm. watching the routine of them making it and thinking, I can't wait to be a grown up like them. I want to be like them when I grow up. And so that's part of my routine. So some things that ground me Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I have certain playlists that I listen to. I am a big fan of scents like uh, essential oils or sprays or perfumes. I no kidding have a perfume called Amazing Grace that when I feel like I'm beating myself up, Amazing Grace is what I wear that day. I have Happy by Clinique that no kidding some days it's Happy days. Um, I have Beautiful, I have Coach, which you know they need to call that First Class. Why do they call that Coach? I don't even understand. <laughs> but but there are things I have Wonder Woman pajamas. I have things that are external manifestations that help me feel stronger, like mm. the Amy Cuddy power pose, right? I, I think we have to be self-aware. So light, you also have to be aware of your fuel. How are you feeling your body? If I'm feeling really down and draggy and sluggish, I can almost guarantee you I've had too many processed carbohydrates or junk and I need to really watch my intake. Maybe I haven't been around humans enough. Maybe I've been focused too much on me instead of this. Maybe I need to go outside. So lots of those kind of routines, set sleep schedule, um, sense, make sure you feel cute. A lot of times when you're feeling down, you get into this funk. If you dress as if you're going out or as if you feel cute, the truth is you get pushing yourself. A friend of mine says, I can tell you're pushing today. They know when I'm dark. I can tell you're pushing today because that's when I will force the shower and force the hair Mm. or go to the dry bar or go get my nails done or whatever that's like to act as if until I can become. Not Mm. that we can always overcome it. Some days, there are days you need to have the six-hour nap Mm. as long as you're not endangering anybody or neglecting you know, life. Um, If that becomes a habit, you need to get some help and or medication. I'm very conscious with the vitamins that I take. They have extra B vitamins in them because I can tell that elevates me a little bit. So, Um, Those are some of my routines. I do try to unplug one day a week. It doesn't mean I do a total digital detox. It means, uh, you talked about Genesis earlier, Uh, it, it means the Sabbath. It means the day off. It means the don't hustle that day. Don't grind that day. Be with humans. Eat good food. Watch a movie. Do something that fills your soul um, listen to a waterfall, play you know, whatever that looks like for you, we we are not designed to be the energizer bunny. We're mm. not designed to go and go and go. We're we're designed to go and pause and go and pause. And so I think programming in the pauses is mm. really important.
1: It's been an enlightening conversation, Carrie. Thank you so much. Now, I'm assuming what's next for you is the book, Moving the Needle. Yeah. When's that due?
0: Uh, overdue. It's overdue. overdue. Oh. It's overdue. So it'll be any any minute. Okay. So what's next is uh, now. For the most part, I'm full time speaking and consulting. I routinely speak to audiences of three, five, 15,000 in conferences, and that's my favorite thing to do. Uh, the travel is not my favorite. But that's my favorite. So uh, we're ramping up the speaking a little more. I got permission from the kids this year, and that'll sound really probably backwards to our our uh, female power audience. But remember, I said, if you know what your core values are, you can mm. respect those. Kids and I had a conversation. I said, listen, I'm getting a lot more calls to do speaking, but I'm still only doing two a month. Um, and they had a little conversation. They said, you know, mom, um, we love having you here on the weekend. But if, if you wanted to do three a month or four a month, like, or even more in the summer, whatever, we get it. And we think you need to be doing what you need to be doing. You're so good at that mom. Why would you, why would you not be doing that? We're, we're old enough. We've got this. We're okay. And it was, you know, I needed that. I needed to know I wasn't taking away from them. I needed to know that it was the time to turn up the dial. So, uh, speaking more, um, and the book comes out next. And after that, who knows? It's an interesting adventure or nothing at all, right? I have my third one's about to be driving. So that'll be interesting. That'll free me up a little more too, because the mom taxi cab will be able to slow down a little. Um, so that's,
1: that's a million miles an just, hour.
0: A million miles an hour and that's the way that's the way we like it.
1: And that's the way you like it. That's that's I was just like going to say that's we're, the way you busy. like
0: it. We're busy. I'm renovating the house little by little so um, so that's kind of fun. I've been looking around for inspirations here because I am landscaping the backyard to go with the pool and creating the oasis there because um, now don't tell my husband because he doesn't know this yet, but my bedroom kind of overlooks the backyard. And I already have preliminary plans to bump out one of the walls and put in a mini office, like a writing office that overlooks the pool. So that, yes, so that I could kind of have two different workspaces in the house. Um, That's another routine. That's another, see, some of these are so intuitive, we forget we have them. Mm. When you're in a funk or when you're in a rut or when you can't feel motivated, change your scenery, change your scenario, do something different. So if I had a different spot that was a writing trigger or a creating trigger, I would love to do that. And the sound of the waterfall and the the view out there, I think, would be really helpful wow. for me. So we'll see. That maybe next, maybe not.
1: I think you. Should, I think there's <laughs> another book in you called Designing Your Life. <laughs> maybe so. I think so. Maybe like so. you're very, you're, you're very together. Carrie, it's been a real honor and a real pleasure. Where can we find you? Like if people want to find out more where they can buy the book, the Bayford Executive, yeah. the next book. Yeah, so middle. it's
0: on it's on Amazon. Uh, you can also go to Carrie I spell Carrie the same way Stephen King does, right? It's the same way the horror movie, C-A-R-R-I-E-Wilkerson.com. If you go there, there's any number of free goodies and downloads and video series. Also, the YouTube channel has more of me than you could possibly stand and you could binge or not. Um, but those are probably the easiest places to
1: find me. Carrie, thank you so much for coming thank on the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure Appreciate having it. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for business. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning into Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you get to see all of these interviews in the flesh share this podcast with your friends and drop me a review on itunes i would love to hear what you guys think and also let you know your comments help make sure that we keep producing killer content just like this and if you'd like to stay up to date with all of my movements upcoming podcasts events and much more please jump onto the website kerwinray.com and also check us out on all social media on the handle at kerwinray. thanks for joining us